Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Hey family, it's Thursday, which means it's time for us to get our cue on. This is episode 8 of season 2, Living the Dream. In this season, I'll be chatting with some of the most successful barbecue entrepreneurs out there about the different types of businesses you can get into and what it takes to be successful. If you're into low and slow, you'll know the importance of a rub. It adds flavor and aroma and helps create the bark that we all know and love. And a lot of us even like to get in and have a crack at making our own rub. Coming up with the perfect blend and balance is a complex puzzle that many of us obsess over till the wee hours of the morning. If this is you, then today's episode is a real eye-opener. Hailing from sunny South Australia, Joy from Homestead Lovers is a key player in the spice rub scene and loves getting involved on the comp circuit as a sponsor of the always incredible Up in Smoke Festival. As I learn in this interview, Homestead Lovers does a lot more than put together killer spice rubs. It's time to discover what really goes on down at Homestead Lovers. So grab some chicken lollipops and a coldie and let's get into it. This is the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with barbecue pitmaster Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Our modern society is in a revolution at the moment. After years of exploring how we can use technology to better process our foods, we're now heading back the other way, realising that traditional farming produces better tasting and healthier food. At the forefront of this movement is Pure Meats Robina. Not only are they a low and slow specialist butcher, they pride themselves on stocking ethically sourced organic products to help you give your family the delicious, proper balanced diet they need. Their meats come direct from Aussie farmers and are broken from carcass on site. Not only that, but all their products are made on site, from healthy, ready-to-cook stir-fries for the time poor, to my favourite, the smoked crocodile cabana. And for you competitors out there, I can tell you that the quality of the competition meat is not only outstanding, but most importantly, it's consistently outstanding. So do yourself a favour and head to facebook.com slash puremeatsrobina to find out more. Welcome to The Confessional, Joy. You probably know the first question by now. What's the last thing that you barbecued? Um, actually put through two lots of uh, bacon in the smoker. Um, I've been playing around with a, a natural cure and um, uh, we put one lot in with um, some extra beetroot powder and the second one went through with extra... Um, banana powder, and they both turned out pretty good, actually. Ooh, I love smoking my own bacon. One of the uh, hot topics when it comes to smoking your own bacon is using the uh, the nitrates and the nitrites. Do you use uh, like a natural ingredient, like uh, I think it's powdered celery, is it, to or celery seeds, to uh, to get natural versions of that? Yeah, there's actually a, a few different um, vegetables that you can use, and and as I found out, banana is one of them. Um, which I, I wasn't aware of until last week. Um, but, yeah, I use a bit of a mixture of um, a few different things, celery, beetroot, um, carrot. I think carrot's quite high in nitrite, nitrite or nitrates. Um, so, yeah. That's great. And have you had a chance to actually uh, to, to taste the bacon? Yeah, it was beautiful. So did the, did the banana flavour carry through into the final cook? Um, unfortunately not, um, but uh, in, in comparison to the two, because the natural night, the natural uh, cure that we use, you don't get that popping pink 
colour that you get when you do when you use the the Prague salt. Um, but with the banana, it actually brought out a lot more colour. Oh, that's interesting. Why do you think that is? Um, I'm not sure. I, I'm thinking that it's higher nitrites. Um, that's the only thing I can think of. I mean, I'm not I'm not a, a, a chemist or anything, so I yeah, you know, I'm only going by layman's sort of uh, information. But um, yeah, I think it might be that. Ah, oh, that's fascinating. So, what kind of barbecue do you use at home? Uh, we've got a little um, bullet smoker um, that we've been we've actually been learning on over the last twelve months. Um, and uh, we're 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 ready to upgrade, but yeah, our little bullet bullet smoker does the job at the moment. Yeah, they're uh, they're a good bit of kit. Those um, I've I've got one as well. I've got a little Pro Q, and uh, it was actually the first smoker I ever bought, and I just love it. Yeah, look, we're looking at the Pro Qs. They look pretty good, actually. Yeah, they've got um, they've got quite a range out now as well. So there's all, all sorts of gravity fed smokers and. Uh, I was looking at one. I was looking at a gravity-fed unit that's owned by Pitmaster Mike up here at um, at Bangalore, and uh, yeah, it looks pretty flash. So, what is your favourite thing to cook? Um, steak, and it doesn't even have to be on the barbecue. I've cooked steak in the oven. I've cooked steak all sorts of ways. I love steak. <laughs> What's your your, your favourite cut of steak? Um, well, it was T-bone there for a while. Um, but then we've uh, we've gotten onto these um, ribeyes, and I've got a like a six hundred gram ribeye that we're going to cook today, um, and they're pretty cool. Six hundred gram—that's a monster. Yeah, it's huge. It's I'm just cooking the one because that'll do both of us, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you going to reverse sear that? How are you going to go about it? Yeah, we're going to reverse sear it. Yeah, that's a that's the best way to go. It's fantastic. What mm. um what uh, spices and that do you like to use on a on a steak? Just salt and pepper, or do you go a little bit fancy? Um, well, because I'm usually testing products, I use all sorts of things. <laughs> but um, salt and pepper is definitely uh, the ba- uh, the base that I would use, and then um, uh, yeah, whatever on top. I think um, I'm going to have a play with some blue cheese that we powdered um, last week tonight. Wow, powdered blue cheese. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, my, my wife would uh, would be all over that that powdered blue cheese. She, she'd put it on everything, I think. Yeah, we're having a bit of a test run on it and, uh, yeah, just to see how it, sort of, um, how it fares. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to hearing how it goes. So uh, so how did you get into the barbecue scene? Um, well, it was probably about a year after I'd started the business, maybe not quite. Um, I'd met a fellow called Dougal McFuzzlebutt. <laughs> um, yes, his real name. I'm sure many people have heard of him. But um, um, we sort of uh, we met up. Um, he was he, he loved my products. He just thought they were the bee's knees. Um, and he says, oh, these would just like be great for barbecue. And I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. So... Um, yeah, it went from there. He put me into contact with a few of the teams and people, and it was yeah. Right. So, how long have you been uh, been operating as as homestead lovers? Um, either 
just under three years or just over three years? <laughs> I'm not very good with dates. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So not so not too long after the uh, whole barbecue scene really sort of kicked off here in Australia. Yeah, I guess it must have been. Yeah. Okay, so um, can you tell us in your words what what Homestead Lovers is about? Uh, well, we're, we're committing committed to working with customers um, with dietary needs, particularly preservative free, because that's actually one of one of my little bugbears. Um, uh, also, we've uh, we've just started looking into doing FODMAP friendly stuff. Um, we can do raw foods. Uh, we like to work with customers. Um, you know, so like a customer would come to us and say, "Look, this is what we want." So we would we would play around, do a bit of research and development. Um, uh, you know, to so a, a lot of our um, powders and rubs nowadays are, um, for want of a better phrase, leftovers from pe- what people have asked us to make. Okay, that's interesting. Now, you, you, you mentioned something before that I, I didn't quite catch. Was it Bob Bodmap Friendly? FODMAP, F-O-D-M-A-P. Um, again, I'm not a, a, a chemist or an expert or anything, but this is a, uh, from what I can work out, it's generally people with IBS or IBS symptoms. Um, they're quite intolerant to garlic and onion and stuff like that. Um, and we're actually discovering that there is a fair few barbecue people who have this um, uh, symptom or whatever you want to call it um, and are interested in the FODMAP-friendly uh, products. That's fascinating. It's it's funny you mentioned that. I've actually got a friend um, who lives just down the street from me and he uh, he hasn't said – he hasn't told me that it's IBS-related, but he has told me that he um, he is intolerant to garlic and onion – and uh, amongst other things, and uh, and that it does give him, um, he like he just had an upset stomach. He didn't say like a full on IBS diagnosis, um, but yeah, I I know that he he for one would be super interested in that because his uh, his food options are extremely limited at the moment. Yeah, well, you see, um, uh, all unprocessed meats are FODMAP friendly, so if we can work out. Um, some rub combinations to go with that because uh, we're hearing a lot of people in barbecue who who can't use because I mean most rubs are onion and garlic based. Mm. Um, so if we can work out a way to bring the flavour without using the onion and garlic, then we're onto something. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the uh, the, the the product range of Homestead Lovers like? What uh, what what uh, do you sell? Um. Everything. <laughs> our product our product range is too big, in my opinion. But, um, like I said before, what we make a lot of what we make is um, a customer request, and then what we've got left over, we we put up for sale. Uh, unless it's you know somebody who's contracted to, they've contracted us to make something specific um, for their business or whatever. Um, but yeah, pretty much everything. Um, somebody rings up, says, you know, have you got banana powder? No, but we'll go and make some. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. So everything from what powdered fruits to powdered vegetables to herbs and spices, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. We, um, we have 
uh, successfully powdered some meat products, but we actually have to be uh, certified to sell them. So uh, we're working on that, and hopefully that'll that'll happen sometime soon. Powdered meat. Now that's interesting. That is certainly uh, certainly make for a different uh, type of injection for competitions, wouldn't it? Certainly uh, get get a whole lot more beefy flavour into your briskets if you can inject it with liquid beef. <laughs> yeah. So um, the teams that I talk to about your products just rave about them. What is it that makes Homestead Lovers products so unique? Um, I'm not sure. But where I, from where I sit, I think um, it probably has to do with my dedication um, that I'm approachable, willing to work closely with teams and, and other customers, um, develop products for them, uh, or at least, you know, offer tips, you know. Um, uh, having a good sense of humour helps. <laughs> um, and I think I get along with everybody I've met. Um, I definitely have a laugh along the way. Um, and I think uh, probably like product-wise, is the preservative-free thing, I think. Yeah. Now, that's interesting that you bring that up. So as a supplier of natural products, not to get too controversial, but where do you stand on the MSG, artificial colours, artificial flavours use in competition debate? Well, I try and stay out of debates where possible. (laughs) (laughs) But personally, I hate MSG and it's it's part of the reason I started my business to begin with. Um, um, And I've also seen firsthand, um, I I was competing in a barbecue competition where a judge uh, ate some um, um, meat that uh, had MSG in it and he got quite sick. Really? What um, happened? I, I think that I think that's a bit unfair. You know that. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's unfair. Um, and, and I can give you a handful of natural alternatives right now. Um, you know, anybody. If anybody wants MSG alternative, I'm your woman. <laughs> Are you able to uh, to give me a, a hint on what one of them might be, or is that a bit of a trade secret? No, no, not a trade secret. Um, but uh, you've heard of obviously you've heard of umami. Yes. Um, so you've got soy sauce. You've got uh, mushrooms, particularly por- porcini mushrooms. Um, you've got you know herbs, different herbs and spices. Uh, you can mix all these together to make you, your own unique taste. Um, and salt. I mean, salt would have to be, you know, I'd use salt over. MSG any day. Interesting. So with the mushrooms, would you like boil them and uh, and reduce them down, or would you dehydrate them and powder them, or both? Well, well, I mean, I, I would I would uh, um, dehydrate them because that's what I do. But oh, sorry. <laughs> but, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, boiling them down, I guess, would be you know if you were making a sauce or um, or something like that. Yeah, definitely. Oh, very cool. Mm. So I, I can hear in the background there some uh, some dogs and some birds. So you, you obviously live on a farm. Is that where the name Homestead Lovers came from? Um, <laughs> it, it, it's actually a, a funny little story. Um, it's very basic. But uh, when we started 
doing all the uh, – when we, we had to come up with a name for our business, um, all of the things that I was doing, um, I was influenced by the homesteading movement, so the self-sufficiency, the, the survival foods, all that sort of thing. Um, and, of course, we live on – we're located on Lover's Lane, so we became homestead lovers. Huh. And and as it turns out, we do live on a seven-acre property out here in Manham, so <laughs> – so is, is Lover's Lane the actual name of the road or is that just what it's affectionately known as around town? It's it's actually Gazetted Road, yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm interested in this uh, in this homestead movement. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Um, well, that uh, if you, you know, Google it or go on a Pinterest or whatever, that's um, um, you can find all sorts of information about preserving foods not just by drying but also there's fermenting and um storage and all the information that goes with it so it's it's that apocalyptic thing you know um so you you're saving up for the um you know the zombie apocalypse (laughs) oh wow so do you have a bunker no i'd like to have one but we haven't got one (laughs) oh okay so step one get a backhoe yeah Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, the last four years has seen meteoric growth in the barbecue scene in Australia. How has this affected homestead lovers? Um, oh, well, we've just since we've since we got into barbecue, we've just it's been a blast. We've had so much fun, met so many people, we've had so much interest in what we do. Um, I think there's four main areas of our business, and that is um, customers who use our products for general use because, you know, you can use the fruit powders for desserts and, um, you know, smoothies, all sorts of things. Um, And then we've got other companies who contract us to produce and and package products for them. So they give us their produce. We dry it, package it, give it back to them. Um, And then we've got... uh, then we've got barbecue, and then we've got a cross section of all of the above. Right, so quite a quite a diverse range of uh, of partnerships there. Absolutely, absolutely. Love it. Now, speaking of partnerships, I I remember seeing you in the live video of the awards presentations at Up in Smoke a few weeks ago. What was your relationship to the competition, and how did that come about? Um, well, that ties in with um, meeting with Dougal McFuzzlebutt. Um, is that seriously that guy's real name? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't long after we hooked up with um, with him that he offered us a sponsor position at the the very first Up in Smoke, which was 2016. Um, um, so this year we did it. it. Was actually our second year, and like we're super proud to be part of that. Um, from, especially from the beginning, and you know, it gives us an opportunity to improve each year, and not not just our business, but the whole event. Um, it was just amazing this year. I think um, up in smoke was the fir- was that the first barbecue competition in South Australia last year? Was that the first one? Yeah, the first ABA sanctioned uh, competition. Yep. Right. So you've you've been in the uh, in the scene. In, in South Australia since, like, literally since the beginning of the comp scene in South Australia? Yeah, I guess, yeah. Wow, that's cool. It is cool, yeah. Yeah. 
So there were some record high scores at um, at Up in Smoke this year, and there are some really strong teams coming out of South Australia, including um, last year's champions, Suck Knuckle Smokers. So where do you think South Australian barbecue is going to go from here? Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually, there's a there's an invitational down in uh, Fingal this weekend, um, and there's uh, five 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 barbecue related people who are being um, who are representing South Australia uh, down there this weekend, including myself. Um, yeah, so that the whole South Australian has got a great food related industry. They're very supportive and um, um, and the barbecue just ties in with all of that and it's yeah it's brilliant. it's amazing. So what do you think is the connection between South Australia and barbecue? Why do you think barbecue appeals to South Australians so much? I don't know. I, I think it might be the, you know, what I said about the, the, the food industry down here because the food industry down here is very different, I think, from other states. Um, I mean, you've got um, uh, people talk about, South Australian food going to all other parts of Australia and even the world. Um, when people say South Australian food, you see them get excited. Um, so I think that that all ties in with the barbecue as well. And and the whole food barbecue community down here is just really really supportive. There's no, I mean obviously there's competition, but there's no major competition. It's like um, oh, I'm not dealing with you because you know it's. Um, hey, yeah, you've got something I like, I've got something you might like, let's work together. Okay, so there's a bit more of a spirit of camaraderie than than, than other areas possibly. Possibly, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what I see from, from sitting down here in South Australia. Well, that's great because to me that's what the barbecue community is all about is, you know, everybody getting in, working together and uh, and getting the job done. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're really excited to go and meet the guys down in Tasmania because um, they've been working hard to set this event up and um, and I, I get the feeling they're very supportive of us as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I know Rowan. He's a, he's a good guy. He's, um, he's definitely put a lot of work into this comp and I'm, I'm actually really heartbroken that I can't get down there. But, uh, you know, they, they, these things happen. I'll be there next year. This is Grant from The Smoking Joint and I listen to Smoking Hot Confessions. Support for this episode comes from Harvey's Kitchen. Harnessing over 25 years experience in commercial kitchens and catering, Harvey's has a burning passion for food and they make amazing barbecue flavour easy to achieve for all levels of barbecue. Their entire product range is handcrafted locally in Brisbane from quality ingredients and they've gone out of their way to make their products easy to use with simple features like resealable bags. I've played around with their butcher's box and have found their preservative, gluten and dairy-free rubs and sauces to be top-notch stuff. The butcher's box has nine rubs and six sauces in it. I love the ginger citrus salt on chicken wings and the hop and habanero hot sauce on everything. Right now, Harvey's is offering Smoking Hot Confessions listeners an exclusive 20% discount. Yes, 20%. 
all you need to do is head on over to harveyskitchen.com.au and use the code word CONFESSIONS to get your hands on some today. Once again, head over to harveyskitchen.com.au and use the code word CONFESSIONS at checkout for 20% off your order. Alrighty, Joy, we are now into segment two of this killer episode, so I'd like to thank you for sticking around because otherwise the episode would have been very, very short. And in this segment, I'd like to focus more on the spice rub business. So the first thing I need to do is get my terminology right. What what term do you use to describe what you do? Are you a spice master, a spice mistress, or rub manufacturer? Um, well, in in my circles, I'm uh, affectionately known as the spice maker, um, among other things, but we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wouldn't call myself a rub manufacturer, probably more a powdered food manufacturer. Um, so I think there, there's plenty of other businesses out there who specialise um, in making rubs and that's all they do. We do a little bit more than that. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it, from what you're describing in uh, in segment one, it sounds like you, you uh, start a step further back. So yeah. you, you, you actually manufacture and sell the individual ingredients to make rubs. Yeah, well, and, and the, the rubs that we actually do make and sell, um, we, they're more like a, a showcase of what we could do for another business or another barbecue team or, um, yeah, any customer. Right. So, so each rub that you come up with, you mentioned before that, they, um, that you make the rubs from uh, leftovers of – uh, customer requests. Does that mean that when we see a rub for sale that it's like a limited edition and we should jump on it? Um, for the most part, yes. We, we've got two official ones that are ongoing, which is the bolt action and the gunpowder. Um, we're actually working on two more that will be permanent. Um, but anything other than that would be uh, a limited edition. Like we've got um, a, a salt, pepper, garlic one at the moment, which we did a bulk order for a fellow at um, Father's Day. And uh, so we, we made a, a large batch and then what we had left over, we packaged up and we've got that one for sale at the moment. So, um, But once that, that runs out, we won't make that again unless we have another order for it. So, Right. Okay. So... Do you grow the herbs and spices on your farm there yourself or um, do you gather them from local companies and then dehydrate them and grind them? Can you? I, I, I guess what I'm asking is can you give me a bit of a rundown of what goes into making one of your rubs or, sorry, your, your dehydrated foods? Uh, we, we, um, we are starting to grow a few bits and pieces here ourselves, but obviously that takes time. Um, but with all the wonderful foods around, um, I've, I actually have a, a co-op that I go to in Gamaraka. They're my main supplier. Um, so that's all Adelaide Hills growers that come together and sell in the one place. And I go there and I can find out that was chemically free grown, that was certified. I can get a copy of the uh, certified organic certificate. Um, and so that's our main supplier. And then we have other little bits and pieces that might come up. Somebody might go, oh, you know, we've got all these quandongs. I'm like, yeah, I'm onto that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, or, or we've got kumquats. Yep, we're onto that. That makes a beautiful powder, by the way. Oh, yeah? Mm. I actually have a uh, have a kumquat tree just sitting out in the backyard here. My wife made some jam there a little while ago. It was delicious. Oh, yeah. 
shortly after that, the everybody in the family caught a cold and we found it really fantastic to take like a tablespoon of the kumquat jam and dissolve it in in hot water and, and just sip it like a tea. It was uh, it was really good. I think it must have been really high in vitamin C. Oh, that's awesome. Mm. Yeah, we got the idea from uh, – we went to a Chinese grocer and they had a, uh, a, a jar of what was basically lemon and honey jam – and uh, and the the whole point of that was to dissolve it was to dissolve it in hot water um, when you've got a cold or flu. So we basically just did that, but with the kumquat jam that that uh, my wife had made out of the backyard. That's a great idea. That's definitely thinking outside the box. Mm. Yeah, worked a treat too. On that topic of uh, of grabbing different things and and dehydrating and powdering them, I um I actually tried to dehydrate and powder some pineapple once because I was working on a. Queensland flavor profile. I was trying to come up with a pineapple spice rub, but the powder just um, got gummy and turned to rock really quickly. Have you got any tips for avoiding that? Um, yeah, the re- the reason why pineapple went clumpy um, is that fruits contain natural sugars, um, and fruit powders can be a, a pain in the pain in the butt to work with. Um, my nemesis at the moment is um, cherry powder. I've been uh, trying to make cherry powder for a couple of years now, but oh. um, the the trick is, I mean, you, you can you can add um, anti caking agents, they're called, and there's lots of natural ones out there that you can add. Um, but because we don't like to add to our powders, we um, do a lot of research on, um, and every every powder is different too. We do a lot of research on uh, the best way of of processing it naturally so that it doesn't clump or it doesn't clump as much. Um, but with things like pineapple, the trick is to, um, when you dry it, is to make your produce as small and even as possible. Um, and when you grind powders, in particular fruit, um, it's important not to use blenders or grinders that create too much heat. Ah. That's where I went wrong because what I did was I just grabbed a co- an, an electric coffee grinder yep, and just uh, threw the dehydrated clumps in and, and whizzed it up. Yeah. Um, have, have you got a Thermomix? No, I wish. Mm, Thermomix is good because that doesn't create a lot of heat. Um, I'm not sure what other types of products you could use, but uh, – um, there must be certain blenders out there that uh, that don't create that heat. But, yeah, those little spice grinders, they're very hot. Right. Mm. Interesting. So what would be um, one example of a, of a natural anti-caking agent? Um, we have, at the moment, we're, we're trialling, uh, we're rolling out a 20-gram um, packet that this month is free with any um, powdered food. Uh, which is tapioca flour, um, but you can use any starch. You could use um, potato starch, uh, possibly some bicarb um, or corn starch, maybe. And you only need a tiny little bit as well, and it it just sort of coats the the powder, so it it um, absorbs the moisture. Okay, cool. Thanks for the tip. So what um what might be some other tips that you might have for people looking to make their own uh, dehydrated powders and rubs? Probably the biggest tip would be uh, imagination and thinking outside the box. Um, 
I mean, you know, I think I think rub making is relatively basic. You've got your, you know, garlic, onion, salt, pepper, you know, your usual suspects. But once you start sort of thinking about what other foods would go into it, um, um, you know, what, what those foods will do to your meat as well, um, and, and a lot of this, reason, a lot of this uh, information you can just find online on Google, um, Pinterest, places like that. Cool. I'll have to go and uh, check them out. Mm, it, I, think, I think it's just uh, a lot of it is, is time, um, time and effort. Um, I mean, once once you sort of have a little idea and you go and Google something, it takes you into – you know, oh, oh, look at that, and, you, <laughs> and that's it. You've got all these ideas, and yeah. So, okay, I, I I got a bit off track there. So back to the business of uh, of uh, of dehydrated uh, food powders and rub manufacturing. What is a day in the life like for you? Um, it varies. Um, I, I've got a, a, a young lass who works here part time, so. Those days are pretty structured, um, but the days when I'm on my own, um, there's you know all the behind the scenes stuff like paperwork, invoicing, a um, little bit of marketing. Um, uh, sometimes I have to be out out and about all day. We live 85 kilometres from Adelaide, so if I've got meetings or have to pick things up, I've got to go for a big long drive, and um, yeah, so it sort of varies. Sometimes if I've got deadlines, you might find me down in the, in the, um, uh, you know, doing stuff in the middle of the night. <laughs> Do you have all the, like all the plant machinery on your premises there? Like you, you know, you, you get up in the morning and you go out to the shed and fire up the grinders and away you go? Yes. Um, we've got a, a purpose built shed, um, that I, I call the lab <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, so that's it's separate from the house, and um, um, we're actually looking at it, extending it in the near future. So, hmm. and did that have to be inspected by local council for food preparation or anything like that? Yes, yes, yes. And um, and once we uh, once we look at doing meat powders, um, that's what we're working on at the moment. Is all the um, bits and pieces that need to be in there that will qualify us for, for processing meat. Um, and then we have to get PERSA, which is, um, I'm not sure what your equivalent is, but they're our um, um, our body down here who will come in and uh, check us out for, for setting up for meat. Okay. So it sounds like it's going to be quite a, quite a process. Yes. Yes. We've been working on it for a long time. So... <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other legal or licensing issues that people would need to consider when when opening a uh, a, a business like yours? Uh, well, yeah, mainly the um, the council. Um, depending where you live is depending on what what your council regulations are. Um, but generally, I think they come and inspect and go. They say, "Yep, you're right to go." And then every year they'll come and do an inspection, give you a report saying you're doing this right, you're not doing this right, you need to get this done. Blah blah blah. Um, that's probably the main, the main thing. Nice. Okay. So, um, getting back to you again for a second, did you have a foodie background before you started Homestead Lovers? 
Um, I had a personal foodie background. Um, I've always been fascinated about um, creating food, especially food that's a bit outside the box. Um, and I love eating food. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no official background. Um, actually, my last main job was um, working on iron ore trains. So. <laughs> oh, wow. So it was a bit different to, to working with food, definitely. Yeah, very different. So what sort of skills um, would you need to become a, uh, a dehydrated food uh, person? Mm, probably uh, a fair bit of nows, um, I think. Um, you know, you should be able to um, – you, sh- you should be able to sort of do a lot of research um, – not just food, not just food research, but you know all the research that goes into building a business. Um, it can be hard. Um, you know, you got to talk to a lot of people, listen to a lot of people, um, interpret a lot of things. Um, but but personally, I think anybody could do it if they've got you know the the right level of insight. Okay, so it sounds like you got to be a bit of a go getter. I think so, and that's probably with any business, really. Well, that's true, I guess. Yeah, if you're in small business, you've got to be willing to go out there and find and chase down the opportunities, aren't you? Yeah, 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 that's it. So what would be some of the hidden challenges that people on the outside wouldn't be aware of, and how have you overcome them? (laughs) Um, Probably uh, working from home would be the motivation. Um. Or the motivation it takes to, to sometimes not just flop in front of the TV for the day. <laughs> ah. um, but I have little um, uh, little ways around that. Like, you know, I have a bit of a routine in the morning where I get up and I, I go and get dressed and, you know, put on certain clothes. And, um, yeah, I mean, some days I can, I can be a bit slack. But, yeah, that's probably the biggest one. That's interesting. So you actually have like a a uniform kind of thing that you will get up on a work day and you'll put on your work clothes and and that's how you sort of trigger your brain to say, okay, I'm I'm working today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, fascinating. So, yeah, mainly getting out of the dressing gown. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the whole attraction of of working from home was being able to work in your PJs. <laughs> I got a bit. If I was doing that, I would not get much done at all. Yeah, yeah, it can be a challenge. So the flip side of that question, then, what's been your biggest success to date, and how did you get there? Um, I don't know about biggest success. I, I think I like to look at all my successes as equal. Um, I, I mean, I'm rather proud of everything that I've done, and uh, and hard work would be the secret to that. I think. And, uh, and and as you said, keeping yourself motivated every day and setting routines and setting patterns of behavior and all of those kind of things, yeah, for sure. So given the challenges and successes that we've just discussed, um, as a profession, how would you rate being a dehydrated food manufacturer? Oh, I, reckon, I reckon 10 out of 10. Um, I thoroughly enjoy what I do. Um, I mean, of course... Every now and again, I think, oh, I wish I had a job where I could just go to work and come home and not think about it. Um, especially, you know, when you're sitting up at 10 o'clock at night doing, trying to fix your website or, you know, invoicing people. And 
Um, but if I was in any other job, I'd probably have the same thoughts about that job. So, yeah, I reckon 10 out of 10. I, I love it. So you even go so far as, as building and maintaining your own website? Uh, I didn't build it. Um, I had somebody build that for me. Um, but I'm, I call myself uh, technology challenged. But I actually um, have over the years worked with um, computers and, and, you know, applications and stuff like that. So I can maintain it, but I do have to um, every now and again call the lady who built it for me and go, oh, my God, I've done this and I don't know what I've done. Can you help me? (laughs) (laughs) I pressed one button and the whole lot's gone. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. What did I do? (laughs) (laughs) Control-Alt-Restore. (laughs) <laughs> I wish that was a button. That would help me out a lot. That would help me out a lot too, yeah. You're listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with barbecue pitmaster Ben Arnott. It's nice to see businesses out there that see the problems in the world and seek to solve them. Clean Heat Barbecue is one of these businesses. A charcoal and briquette manufacturer, Clean Heat prides themselves on being the most eco-friendly brand on the market today. Harvesting from an invasive species that's destroying valuable farmland in Namibia, Clean Heat Barbecue's products are sustainable, eco-friendly, 100% natural and renewable. Most importantly for barbecue enthusiasts, their products are clean burning and long lasting. It is the fuel of choice for many top barbecue teams in Australia, And Clean Heat Barbecue is known for being strong supporters of the Australian barbecue scene, sponsoring several competitions every season. At Clean Heat Barbecue, their motto is the four Fs, fire, food and friendship. When those three come together, you'll be fueling your passion. To find your local distributor of Clean Heat Barbecue products, follow Clean Heat Charcoal on Facebook at Clean Heat BBQ and on Instagram at Clean underscore Heat Charcoal and send Abel a PM. Alrighty, Joy, it's time for our listener questions. So these uh, these people have rung up and they've left some uh, fantastic questions for you to answer. So let's get stuck into them now. Here comes the first one. G'day, Joy. It's Nigel Coates from the Gold Coast. Just got a question about taste. How much importance do you place on the quality of the meat, the cook, and the rub? And follow-up question? As slow and low culture grows in Australia, would you say we have regional flavours? What is unique about South Australia, for example? Um, Nigel, the uh, quality is definitely an important factor for sure. Um, when it comes to meat, for me, ethically raised meat um, is my number one choice um, over anything else. And a quality rub without preservatives is a must for me. Um, I do try other rubs, like other um, you know businesses. I try their rubs from time to time. Um, but when I barbecue, I'm I'm usually trialling something new. So. Um, but South Australia has uh, a beautiful citrus area in the Riverlands, which is not too far from me. Um, so we make a lot of uh, citrus powders, um, which I'm really keen to try um, in some meat rubs. Yeah, right. Now, you just mentioned um, uh, ethically raised meat there before. Could you just expand on what you mean by that a little bit? Um, well, you've got, you know, you're mass, mass slaughtered and – you know, all those horrible images that you see of, you know, pigs and cows and everything all bunched together. Um, I don't want any of that. Um, in South Australia, I've met a lot of uh, um, 
uh, meat producers who raise their own. I mean, I, I, I did a uh, um, a workshop when I first came to Manham um, at a pig farmer at their place, and they named their their meat. So the pig that we ate is called Fanny, <laughs> but um, I loved the whole concept of this. This pig was raised you know, in a nice place, it had a name, it was a nice pig, and then we ate it. <laughs> I know it might sound a little bit horrible to some, but um, I think that's far better than, uh, than you know, all that uh, packed in, you know, no space. Uh, I mean, the quality of the meat would have to be better. Yeah, I've, I've heard pit masters like, uh, like uh, Brother Mikey from Shank Brothers say that uh, – uh, a, a happy animal is a tasty animal, and I think it's interesting um, this movement um, away from uh, you know battery farming type type stuff back to uh, traditional farming methods. I think that's that's quite interesting, and it's um, kind of all ties in with the you know the the slow food movement, the 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 slow movement in general. You were talking about the um, or was it the the homestead movement earlier in the interview? It's it's funny how uh, society's kind of turning back that way. It's like we hit the eighties and went, "Wow, look at all this amazing stuff we can do with machinery and electronics and processing." And and then it all too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it 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 did all go too far, and now we've got all these you know um, rising rates of diabetes and and other you know obesity and all this sort of stuff, and. Um, we're kind of going back to the way that our grandparents were doing things in the in the fifties. It's um, personally, I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's great too. Mm. Okay, next listener question. Hi Ben, it's Anthony from the Gold Coast. Uh, quick question for uh, Joy from uh, Homestead Lovers. Being a South Australian company, uh, do you do distribution around Australia? Um, obviously, I'm. Up in Queensland, and uh, would love to try your uh, your work sometime. Thank you. Uh, we do, Anthony. We have a website with a shop section and a recipe section too to give you some uh, inspiration. Um, and I'd love to work with you too sometime. So always a pleasure to work with passionate people. So feel free to give me a call. I'm sure he will. Yeah, hi, it's Brett calling from the Gold Coast. I have a question. From for joy from the homestead lovers. Look, lots of people tell us what is good in a barbecue rub, but considering you do all these things, what would you possibly leave out? What wouldn't you include in a rub for barbecue? Okay, great. Love to hear your answer. Thanks, Joy. Oh, that's a hard one, Brett. Um, obviously, I'd leave out all the bad stuff like MSG. Um, but the most exciting thing about making rubs is experimenting with different and unusual flavours. So um, I guess it would depend on um, what I'm creating at the time as to what I leave in and what I leave out. So anything that's that's not natural is out? Pretty much, yeah. Hi, this is Lucas. I've got a uh, question for Joy. What first got you into dehydrating products and when did it go from a hobby to a full business? Thank you. Hi, Lucas. Um, yeah, I love playing around with drying and powdering products, um, and I've been doing it for a few years uh, and actually developed um, preservative-free two-minute noodle product um, a few years ago. 
uh, that my partner and I ate when we travelled. Um, when we uh, when we moved to Manham, I became involved with a, a local fruit and veg swap, um, and they were the ones who actually encouraged me to start attending farmers markets. And once I did that, um, people, you know, I started meeting people and they started seeing what I was doing, and it just sort of grew from there. And that was about three years ago now. So, yeah. Wow, preservative-free two-minute noodles. I thought the whole point of those things was to get as many artificial flavours and <laughs> colours and things into in into one bowl as possible. How did you How did you go about that? Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a funny story because uh, I it's just me and my partner. We don't have children, so or grandchildren. So um, you know, obviously, we like to eat a bit. Um, um, quick and easy some nights, um, and I love those two-minute noodles, but every time I ate them, I'd get sick. Um, so one day I went, well, I could I could create one of these and just make it a bit better. So we added extra meat and vegetables and things into it, and, um, yeah, it was a great, great little product. So did you go as far as actually making your own noodles, or did you just do away with the flavour packets and make your own flavourings? Um, in the beginning, we went. We we did exactly that, um, but then of course the noodles in those packets I think are bleached. Mm. Um, so we tried a few different noodle products, and we to this day I haven't actually found a noodle product that um, works as well, unfortunately. Um, so that's and because it, it had meat in it as well, and we can't sort of do meat at the moment. We've sort of put that on the back burner. But if we come across some noodles that work, we'll definitely give that another go. I would be all over that because my five-year-old loves two-minute noodles, and I have to really, uh, really just ration him down on that because uh, with all the artificial stuff in it, he does. He, he is very sensitive to it, so. It's uh, it's pretty rare that I actually let him eat it, but uh, yeah, if if there was something like that available, I'd I'd for sure be all over that, and I reckon there'd be lots of parents out there who would be too. Yeah. Oh well, if you know any um, uh, pasta producers, <laughs> I will keep my ear to the ground, and I'll I'll certainly see what I can find. <laughs> Hi, Joy. This is Bronwyn from Bundaberg. I was wondering the best place that you could advise someone coming into the market of rubs and such, where's the best place to look up information to find out how to do the nutritional panel? Thanks. Bye. Uh, Bronwyn, most definitely the best place to look is um, Food Standards Australia and New Zealand. Um, just put that in a Google search. It'll come up. Um, it's the best place. It's my Bible. Um, they have a nutritional pa- nutritional panel calculator that I use all the time um, and they have so much information it's it's fantastic it can get a bit boring um, but just grab a, a, a bar of chocolate or a glass of wine and and stick with it because it's uh, it's the best best resource for foodies but of course uh, or, organic chocolate and sulfate free wine yeah oh absolutely <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Joy, this is Peyton from Oklahoma City area in the USA. I'd like to know, what is the most exotic dehydrated food that you use to put in one of your rubs? Uh, hi, Peyton. I see, uh, yeah, Oklahoma Oklahoma City. That's pretty cool. Um, they've been barbecuing there since uh, post-Civil War era, I read. Um, that's some great barbecue history right there. Um, probably the most exotic thing 
in our official rubs would be activated charcoal. Um, but we do a fair bit of work with um, Australian native foods. So we have used things like um, carcalia and samphire in barbecue rubs that we've tested for clients. Um, so, yeah, Aboriginal, um, native Aboriginal food that's, yeah, pretty exotic, I think. Oh, now there's there's two points in that that I want to touch on. The first is um, you mentioned activated charcoal. It's all the rage at the moment. My So I, I guess my question is why? What does it do? Well, now, again, this is this is my layman's terms, research, et cetera. Um, it doesn't do anything. It has zero nutritional value. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it will... It, it changes the colour of your rub to black, which is obviously cool. Um, and also, um, it brings up great bark on brisket. Ah. Okay, so it's a bit of a colour and texture um, yeah. additive. Yes, yes. And it's a, um, activated charcoal is actually made out of coconut shells, so it's a natural product. Ah, that's good to know. Yeah. Does it, does it flavour the meat at all? Okay. No. So okay, it's it's just purely color and texture. That that's interesting. Yeah. The other point I want to touch on was you mentioned um, some uh, some indigenous uh, foods that you like to include as well. Um, what sort of percentage of your products would be indigenous, and how do you go about sourcing them? Uh, we don't actually um, uh, sell indigenous foods ourselves, um, but we work with other companies. That um, that do sell them, and we do a bit of work for those companies. So uh, they give us their products. We have a play around, um, and we give the products back to them or ideas back to them. So um, unfortunately, we we don't sell the product, but we can definitely put people in touch with those who do. Oh, okay, so so listeners could just shoot you an email and say, "Hey, can you put me in touch with uh, with some of those indigenous manufacturers?" Awesome. Hi, Joy. This is Wal from Singleton. South Australia is known for its soil and water producing wonderful wines. Do you think these have an effect on the local foods that you use for your products? Thank you. Um, well, I grew up in the northwest of WA um, where there was no such thing as fresh food or soil, <laughs> ah. um, especially back in the 80s. So when I moved to South Australia, I was super excited to play with the foods that are grown down here. Um, I think growers in South Australia are extremely dedicated. And I was, I was talking to one of my suppliers recently, and she was actually telling me the, the process that was involved in having the soil tested in, you know, where they grow their products. Um, and it looks like a pretty full-on strict regime. Okay. What do you have to do to get your, to get your soil tested? I, I don't know. But, yeah, again, I could put you in touch with somebody who uh, who could at least put you in the right direction. Yeah, that's a fascinating idea. Hi, Dre. It's Dan from Gloucester, mid-north coast, New South Wales. Um, my question is, what is your favourite food to dehydrate and use in powders? Thank you. Kimchi. Really? Kimchi, yep. It's easy and quick to dehydrate and uh, turns into a beautiful powder. Um, and we, at the moment, we're sourcing um, a, a meat-free kimchi, so it's all uh, vegetables and 
fermentation and everything. Um, and, yeah, I love the stuff. Right. What would you use powdered kimchi in? Oh, some of the barbecue teams actually buy it from me for um, to use as a rub or as part of a rub. Um, it's great. It's like a it's like a little natural salt, spicy salt. You know, um, um, it, it's just yeah, it's just tasty. <laughs> yeah, I um I I lived in Korea for two years, and I know that uh, there's tons of things like garlic, salt, uh, chili. There's vitamins that's very high in vitamin C from the cabbage. Um, yeah. So I, I guess from that point of view, it's kind of like an all-in-one spice rub already made and ready to go with a with a huge uh, huge umami factor. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna have to get some of that and give that a go. That sounds delicious. Uh, hi, my name's Jay, and I'm from Meatstock, and you're listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions. Well, Joy, we're nearly at the end of our episode now, but before you go, I've got one more question for you. What would be your top three pieces of advice for people wanting to start a rub or dehydrated food company? Um, get good dehydrators would be number one. Um, number two would be dehydrators again. Um, don't worry about those big three-phase dehydrators, um, those the, the smaller ones and having more of them work a lot better than having one of those great big huge ones. Um, and find a good, uh, uh, you know, produ- local producer of, of fresh foods and, you know, unless you've got, unless you're growing your own, um, probably the three main, main ones. Why is it better to have more? small dehydrators than one large one? Um, there's a few reasons because um, we looked at getting one of the great big huge ones and um, if any part of that breaks down, you have to find somebody to actually come and fix it for you. Um, the smaller ones, you can dehydrate several different things at the same time because some things you can't dehydrate together, otherwise the, the, the smells and the tastes sort of combine. Oh, of course. Um, yeah, so we've got we've got six six commercial dehydrators at the moment. So we can put you know onions in one and um, you know raspberries in another. Um, and if one of those breaks down, you've still got another five. Um, and all you have to do is is replace the the fan at the back or the motor at the back, rather than have this great big huge thing. It breaks down. You can't use it. You got to find somebody to come and fix it. So. Um, there were just a few things that we, we learned in our research. Yeah, those are some top tips. Thank you very much for sharing. No worries. Okay, Joy, the floor is now yours. Please uh, please give any shout-outs that you'd like to, any, uh, any, uh, any honourable mentions, and uh, do tell the listeners uh, how they can find you. Okay. Um, uh, well, I've mentioned before Dougal McFuzzlebutt. He has McFuzzlebutt's Man Kitchen or Mansion man kitchen um in south australia he is a huge foodie down here um the smoking joint that's our team they're the best team in south australia and probably australia in my opinion (laughs) and the best hair is uh is what i've heard definitely the best hair um 
and for your native your native products, check out something wild in South Australia. Um, they'll hook you up with all sorts of um, unusual bits and pieces, like what we mentioned before. Um, and that's probably all I can think of at the moment. And, uh, yeah, you can find us online. We've got um, www.homesteadlovers.com.au um, or shoot us an email or give us a call. And are you on the socials? Yes, we've got a Facebook page, Instagram page, and we are on Pinterest as well. And what are your handles on those uh, on those mediums? Uh, it's all Homestead Lovers, so at Homestead Lovers. Oh, nice and easy. Mm. All righty. Well, thank you for coming on the show today, Joy. It's been just fabulous having you in the confessional, and I'm I'm sure the listeners agree too. It's uh, it's been really fascinating to go behind the scenes of rub manufacturing and learn what really goes on. So, uh, look, it's a big thank you from me, and uh, and I wish you all the best of luck in the future. Thanks, Ben. It was great talking to you today too. Well, family, how interesting was that? There's so much that goes into ingredients that I just had no idea about. So have you got some ideas about your genius new spice rub concoction? I know I have. I spent two years living in South Korea and reckon I could come up with something pretty special with that kimchi powder. Get in contact with Joy by following her on Facebook and Instagram at Homestead Lovers. Next Thursday will be episode nine and I'll be having a great chat with Adam from Primal Lion Barbecue. Adam is a French-trained chef and barbecue competitor who is now a professional food stylist working with authors, bloggers, and advertising firms. If you're looking for tips on how to make your food porn even better, make sure you catch this app next Thursday. Big thanks and much gratitude go out to this episode's sponsors, Pure Meats, Harvey's Kitchen, and Clean Heat Charcoal. Their support makes this project possible. I've put their links in the episode description, so please click on through to their sites to claim those awesome offers for you loyal Smoking Hot Confessions listeners. If you have a message that you'd like included in this podcast to get out to a barbecue mad audience, send me an email directly at ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Shoutouts also have to go to those who called in and left questions for joy. Adam, Anthony, Brett, Bronnie, Dion, Lucas, Nigel, Peyton and Wall. I found it really interesting to find out what you're thinking and Joy had a great time answering all your questions too. If you'd like more, I have published a free ebook that is just for you. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com slash ebooks to get your copy now. I've put a link in the description. Also, head on over to Facebook and join the Smoking Hot Confessions community and let's continue the conversation. It's a group dedicated to teaching, learning and sharing all about barbecue and all the BS is left at the door. Everybody has a place in the Smoking Hot Confessions community. Finally, however you listen to this episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a review. This way, the episodes will be delivered to more people's devices by Oompa Loompas floating down a chocolate river on marshmallow canoes. Until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. Confessions.